0: When the car comes to a halt, the boy stirs from his slumber. The very first thing he sees is his mamma's face, peering at him through the mirror. She has it angled so that it doesn't show the sweeping headlights spreading their color on the fogged glass, but shows her own features instead. Mamma is tall and elegant, with hair at once yellow and gray, and blue eyes, just the same as the boy's. In the thin mirror shard, She traces the dark line under one of those eyes with the tip of a broken fingernail, then spreads it as if she might be able to see more deeply within. The boy shifts, only to let Mama know he is awake. Outside, unseen cars hurtle past. Are we there, Mama? His mother looks back. She has not been wearing a seatbelt, but then the hospital told her she wasn't to drive the car at all. This, she said as she buckled him in, would have to be their very own secret. Come on, little man. If I remember your grandfather, he'll have milk on the stove. Mama is first out of the car. Inside, the boy sees her blurred silhouette circle around to help him out. It is not snowing tonight, though Mama says it is snowing, surely out in the wilds. In the city, it is only slush and that pale snow called sleet. It has fingers of ice, and it claws at the boy. Mama helps him down and crouches to straighten his scarf. Then it is up and over and into the tenement yard. On one side, the road rushes past, with rapids as fearful as any river, while on the other, the yard is encased by three sheer walls of brick. Eyes gaze down from every wall, half of them scabbed over by black plastic sheeting, the others alight in a succession of drab oranges and reds. The tenement is a kind of castle where Grandfather lives. Mama says the boy has been here before, but that was in a time he cannot remember, and might even have been before he was born. Together they cross the yard, to follow an archway of brick and cement stairs to the levels above— The path goes all the way around the building, like a trail climbing a mountain, and at intervals, the boy can peer down to see the car itself dwindling below. At last, three stories up, Mama stops. Come here, she says, and there is something in her voice which makes him cling to her without hesitation. They are standing before a door of varnished brown, with a threadbare mat on which stand two gleaming ebony boots, the boy is marveling at these things that seem so old. When his mamma raps at the door, an interminable time later, the door draws back. "Vika," comes a low, weathered voice. The boy's eyes drift up from the boots, up the length of mamma's body, up the door jamb broken by hinges in the doorway, hunches his grandfather. He seems a shrunken thing, though he is taller than Mamma, and taller still than the boy. On his head there is little hair, only a fringe of white hanging from behind, and his face is dominated by features that seem too large and out of place. A nose with a jagged crest, blue eyes shining, but eye sockets deep and dark. He is wearing a flannel nightgown, burgundy, tied up with a black leather belt, and though his eyes dwell first on Mama, they drop second to the boy. He shuffles closer to Mama's legs, and it is only then that he realizes that Grandfather's eyes have dropped further to the boots on the mat. My jackboots, he says. They're finished. Bring them, would you, boy? Grandfather turns to shuffle inside. Oh, Vika, we'll talk soon, Papa. After Mamma has gone in, the boy picks up the jackboots and follows. It is a small place, with a narrow hall and a kitchen at the end. Mama and Grandfather are already in that kitchen, with a pan rattling on the stove. But the boy creeps up quietly, stealing a look at the photographs adorning the walls. In them, he sees people he does not know, a Mama and a Papa. And a baby.